Hello, this is Jim Walsh, and welcome to my podcast called On Eagle's Wings. Whenever we read God's Word, one thing that impresses us in thinking about our relationship with God is how consistent He is. Whether we deal with the Old Testament or whether we deal with the New Testament, the character of God doesn't change. In fact, if we were to think about what the scriptures themselves reveal in dealing with our relationship with God, James tells us that. In his short epistle, in James chapter 1, James said in verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God doesn't change. And because he doesn't change, when he reveals something, it stands for all time. Consider, if you would, the situation that unfolds in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 17. The Apostle Paul has come to the city of Athens. And he goes to Mars Hill, where all of the teachers and the academics gather on a regular basis to discuss the important matters of the city and politics, the important matters of the world, as it even happens today. Maybe we use social media or we chat with people on our phone. They did it face to face. So while Paul was there, we want to pick up our reading in Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 21. It says, For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. So he's there in Athens, and he's at Mars Hill. And it says in verse 22, Then Paul stood up in the midst of Mars Hill, and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God, whom therefore ye ignorantly worship, him declare I unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is like unto gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. In the times of this ignorance, 
God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all, and that he raised him from the dead. And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul took advantage of this situation, of the curiosity of individuals, and stood up and preached a short sermon, a short message declaring God as sovereign over all the universe and the divine plan for man's redemption through Jesus Christ and his resurrection. But maybe there's a couple of things we can focus on in thinking about how God feels about worship. And the first thing that we can understand is that people who are superstitious, or as some versions say, religious, can still be wrong. Verse 22 in the King James Version, Paul said, I perceive that in all things you're too superstitious. There are people who concern themselves with their relationship with God, which is a good thing to do. But then they worry about it. They are anxious about it. And they go beyond what needs to be done. And so here the Athenians, wanting to appease every possible God that existed, came to a point where they simply put up an altar to the unknown God. Paul said, you can be too superstitious. You can be too religious. You can be religious and simply be wrong. A second thing to think about is that we can worship God and even have a desire to worship God and still be wrong in that worship. Because Paul said in verse 23, ye ignorantly worship. You ever thought about the fact that worship can be ignorant? That people can be doing things without knowing why they're doing them? That our knowledge of God has to include the what and the why and the wherefore. To know that God desires we understand the importance of worship as well as all of those things that would be involved in worship as Jesus said in John chapter 4 that is in spirit and in truth. And one of the reasons he said that in John chapter 4 was because he was dealing with a woman who thought that worship was dictated by a particular place. In fact, she said to Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 20, Our fathers worshipped in the mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. So her thought process was, the disagreement between the Jews and Samaritans is simply about where to worship God. But Jesus wanted her to understand that's not what worship is about. And so he said in verse 22, Ye worship, ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of 
the Jews. Jesus wanted her to understand that worship to God must be more than just a place. It must be about who I am and who he is and what he requires of me for that worship to please him. People can be involved in ignorant worship. And sadly, people can be involved in vain or empty worship, worship that is just done as a matter of form because, well, you know, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to do this at a certain time and a certain place. But if it doesn't include all of me, then it's worship that is empty. And Jesus said that to the religious leaders of his day. Jesus said that to people who were involved in teaching God's word. He said, because you are wrong in your motivation for what you're doing, your worship is empty. And so he said in Matthew chapter 15, verse 7, Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh to me with their mouth, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So you can praise God. You can sing the right songs. You can utter the right prayers. You can use the right phraseology in addressing God, but if your heart is not in it, if the purpose behind your worship is not to honor and please God by conforming to his truth, then worship can be empty and it can be useless. And then there is in Acts chapter 17 what Paul clearly identifies as idol worship idol not in standing by and doing nothing, but idol worship as in worship to idols instead of to God. And so he said in verse 24, God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath in all things. You see, the Athenians created the gods. They carved the gods. They made the gods. They imbued the gods with all of the different qualities they wanted the gods to have. And then they went ahead and worshiped them, knowing that, oh, I know I'm pleasing this god because I'm the one who created it. I know exactly what he wants. So we have the concept of idol worship by creating a god to conform to our image of the way things should be instead of God being creator and we conforming to his image. Do you know that the people of God worshiped idols? Turn with me if you have a Bible to Jeremiah chapter 44. God sent his people, his Old Testament people into captivity. He purposed for them to go into captivity because they would not give up worshiping idols. One of the idols they worshiped was called the Queen of Heaven, a female deity. Jeremiah 44, verse 19, when we burned incense to the Queen of Heaven and poured out drink offerings unto her, did we make her cakes to worship her and pour out drink offerings unto her without our men? That's what they were doing. They were burning incense. They were baking food to offer to her. They were pouring out 
drink offerings unto her? God said, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. It didn't mean he came first and they could come second. It meant him alone. And so when the people of Judah and before that the people of Israel under the old covenant were persuaded by the peoples around them to worship idols, God allowed them to be taken away. Idol worship is vain and empty worship. Another thing we can know about how God feels about worship is that God desires for all people everywhere to worship him. And the reason we know that is, as Paul mentions in Acts chapter 17, verse 26, God made everybody exactly the same way. Verse 26, hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. We're all made the same. Everybody on the face of the earth is made in the image of God. We may have different languages. We may come in different sizes and shapes and colors, but we're all the same. God made us with all the same desires because God wants us to have all the same outcome. In verse 30, it says, The times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent, because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all, and that he hath raised him from the dead. God wants everyone to be saved, saved from our sins. How do I know that? Because we're all made the same. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes, we can go back and we can read in the Old Testament and we can shake our head and say, well, how could those people of God back then sin? But the fact of the matter is, being made in the flesh, we can all sin. And when we sin, we need the blood of Jesus Christ to cleanse our soul spotless and free. God gave no one else. All men everywhere are called to repent. All people, all men, all women, are called to repent and come to God through his Son, Jesus Christ. And when we do that, and we learn God's word, and we begin to live God's word, then we begin to live in a way, as Jesus said to the woman at the well in John 4, that is in spirit and in truth. And when we live that way, according to God's word, we have every guarantee that we can please him that our worship will not be wrong, that it won't be ignorant, that it won't be vain, that it won't be filled with idle concepts. We can have every assurance from God that we please him. Once again, this is Jim Walsh. Thank you so very much for listening to my podcast on Eagle's Wings. I do hope that you have a great day.